You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA, Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday final podcast of the week, and we had a thrilling game last night in the Smoothie King Center as the Pelicans took on the Phoenix Suns, went to overtime with the Pelicans rallying back from 20 points down. We'll talk about how they got in that hole in the first place. There's a big reason why, a number of reasons why, but kind of fits on one side of the ball there. And then we'll talk about how they rallied from that and were able to close the gap and get it to the extra frame and give the fans in the Smoothie King Center some free basketball. Then we will talk about the upcoming game against the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, tomorrow at a 1 p.m. tip. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So it was an interesting game for New Orleans, taking on the Phoenix Suns, the Suns who got drubbed the night before, and they were on the second night of a back-to-back going into this one. They got murdered by Atlanta, or not Atlanta, sorry, Orlando in the game prior to that, and came into this one and seemed ready to play. And it was a fun first quarter with New Orleans going up two, but no defense being played. They won that quarter 40-38, to but then Phoenix scored 36 in the second quarter, 33 in the third quarter and built up a 20-point lead over New Orleans before the Pelicans finally found some life, finally found some energy, and managed to rally back big in the fourth, winning that frame 34-18 to to send it to overtime. The Pelicans even had a chance to win the game at the end of regulation but were unable to convert the chance. Bad defense is really the story of this one, more so than the comeback. The comeback's great. But you don't want to have to expend all of that energy just to get back to being even. And Alvin Gentry said this so many times before. We were just in too big of a hole to climb back out of it. It's the story of the Pelican season. Maybe the story of the Pelican's existence at times, too. And it was certainly the story in this one. They could not slow down Devin Booker whatsoever. He also got absurdly hot from three in the third quarter. Finished with 44 points on the night, nine assists, eight rebounds, um, 13 of 20. 24 shooting was 13 of 13 at the line. He could do kind of whatever he wanted. And when he wasn't scoring, it was look he was creating looks for others. You had Kelly Oubre Jr., 14 points. Dario Saric, of the starters that were out there for the Suns, was the low man with nine. You had Frank Kaminsky putting up 20 in this one. Ricky Rubio with 13. McCall Bridges, 11. And then off the bench, Cameron Johnson, the rookie, with 18 points. Basically, they kind of did what they wanted. Long rotations, collapsing defense, open three-point shooters. And yeah, the Phoenix Suns shot 39% from deep because of that, compared to just 46.7% from the field, and still won this game and was up by 20 at one point. New Orleans finally started getting some stops late in the game, but by then you could only hope to really get the tie and they had just nothing left in overtime where the Phoenix Suns seemed a little bit fresher and were able to get out there and just play their style of ball a little bit more. It was rough. 
For New Orleans, by the numbers here, Drew Holiday, 23 points on the night, six assists, seven rebounds, had four turnovers in this one, was two of six from three, but uh, 10 of 18 from the field overall. Brandon Ingram, 21 points on the night, six rebounds, four assists. Dude was an absolute warrior at times in this one. He went down after colliding with a Suns player and hit his face on the court, had to get taken to the locker room where he got six stitches. And then came back into the game and his quote after was, quote, I just wanted to be there for my team. I've been through way worse shit than hitting my head on the floor, end quote. Had six stitches, then went back into the game and started making some clutch plays and getting some clutch buckets for New Orleans. Missed the final game winner on what was not a great play between him and Drew Holiday. But still, that is a fight, uh, the right type of attitude. They were down basically 20 when he was out of the game. Did he need to come back in? At that point, would you have faulted him if he just goes, nah, I'm going to stop? But he didn't and decided to come back into the game, and that tells you a lot about him. Jackson Hayes was excellent in this one, 17 points on the night, but just five rebounds. That's a bit of an issue. He was six of eight from the field, five of seven from the free throw line. We'll talk about him more in the next segment because offensively he was great in this game. Defensively he was good enough and came up with some big plays on defense, five blocks, but also a couple of issues with the rebounding, which really hurt this Pelicans team. Lonzo Ball in this one, getting the start again. Excellent after a pretty rough game the other night against the Dallas Mavericks. 20 points on the night, 11 assists, 6 rebounds, 4 of 5 from deep, 4 of 4, wow, from the free throw line. We'll save him for the next segment as well. J.J. Redick was J.J. Redick and just shooting unbelievably well on the night. 26 points, 5 of 7 from deep, 7 of 11 from the field overall. He was awesome. Kenrich Williams came in, made some plays, coming back to the team after being away for the birth of his... His daughter, I think it was. Uh, I'm not sure. Six points on the night, four rebounds. Josh Hart, nine points, four rebounds. He was two of nine from deep, though. Just could not get it going from downtown. Nicolo Melli played some minutes. Frank Jackson played some minutes. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker played some minutes. None of them gave you much of anything, though. Nikhil did put up seven points. But it was the defense and the struggles that they had, which is why they got into that hole, which is just the same thing that we have kind of come to expect from this team. And it was disappointing, to say the least. At times, just absolutely no discipline out there, not communicating, going above screens on guys that they needed to sag off like Ricky Rubio. You particularly saw this in overtime where Rubio just killing him in the pick and roll because the Pelicans want to go over the screen set by the big. Rubio is not a great three-point shooter who just wants to drive and coming off those screens because he knows the defender's going over him just immediately starts turning the quarter and going downfield to the basket and no one rotates over or they just are lazy and kind of stick their arm out to try and swipe the ball away. That's not how you win games. And the Pelicans lost because of that. Another reason they lost is they struggled on the defensive glass. I don't think this is big as is as big as some people are making it out to be. But certainly it was a bit of a problem. The Pelicans gave up 19 offensive rebounds in this one. But the Phoenix Suns turned that into just 14 second chance points. Those are That's actually a good ratio. It means those offensive rebounds that they're grabbing aren't turning into anything for them. It doesn't really matter. It's not affecting the game. So just pointing to that stat is not why the Pelicans lost this one. It's getting stops outside of that stuff. 
When they got an offensive board, they weren't scoring at a significant pace whatsoever with it. So you've got to live with some of that. And the Pelicans give up on average over 14 points per or 14 second chance points per game, 14.8 on the season so far. The reason they lost is lack of discipline, open three-point shooters, and then when someone drives, not communicating on what people are supposed to do. No one talks if they're supposed to switch or not. No one knows if you're supposed to go over or under the screen. This is a mix of poorly coached players not being prepared and players not doing the things they're also supposed to do, like talking to one another when you're out there on the court. And that lack of communication between player to player and coach to player, because it's not getting through to them very clearly here, has been very disappointing and is the reason the Pelicans have been losing games recently. The offense is good. We saw the offense be really good in the first quarter. The defense wasn't. The defense really wasn't all night until late in the fourth quarter where they did start getting some stops and then hitting their three-pointers, which is how they clawed back into this game, not by being aggressive. They just started shooting better, and this is a shooting team. They will do that after a rough third quarter, but you have to get stops. Otherwise, it doesn't matter, and the Pelicans haven't been, and that's the problem, and it's not like teams are coming in and just lighting it up. The Pelicans are letting these teams do whatever it is they want to do. And if they want to start winning some games, and certainly they do, that's where you have to fix everything first and foremost. So it was kind of a depressing game from that aspect of it. Nice to see some fight and won't bow down attitude to get them to overtime, but they weren't ultimately able to close. But there were some bright spots in Lonzo Ball, in Jackson Hayes, and we'll look at their games coming up here in the next segment because I thought they were awesome and it's worthy of breaking down a little bit more. Before we do that, though, don't forget about the new Pelicans Twitch show, the official Pelicans Twitch show, hosted by me and Gus Kattengill of ESPN Radio called On The Fly. It's live. It's interactive. We get to have a lot of fun on there, and it's very cool, very unique, and it's awesome the Pelicans were willing to take a chance on me and do this for them. It's over at Pelic- or, sorry, twitch.com slash pelicansnba, twitch.com slash pelicansnba. The first episode is saved on there. You can watch it. The second episode is coming December 17th, should be 4 p.m. Central too, when we go live with that. So set your calendars, put in some sort of reminder, and go over to twitch.com slash pelicansnba and make sure you follow that so you get a notification when we're going to be going live. I cannot wait. I'll be able to take your questions live on the show. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. Again, twitch.com slash pelicansnba. So the defense was rough, and the Pelicans didn't end up winning the game against the Phoenix Suns, but there were some bright spots. You don't want to be fully negative, and we've got to acknowledge when guys are playing well. And you had a big game from Lonzo Ball and Jackson Hayes in this one. We can start with Hayes because his game's a little bit easier to describe. Again, 17 points on the night for him, 6 of 8 shooting. He was finishing around the rim incredibly well looked like a guard out there at times whether it was in the fast break getting the ball and scoring on the layup that way off of the glass or as the roll man in the pick and roll just darting through the lane aggressively getting a good pocket pass from a guy like JJ Redick or Lonzo Ball or Drew Holiday and just finishing it with a layup or a slam at the rim he moved well offensively. This is a guy who sets really good screens as is and has been getting guys open like J.J. Redick all season long. So when he sets that screen and a man runs into him and then he just rolls to the rim hard, 
The defense is thrown off by that because of that screen that he set. It's not like a slip screen where he just kind of is in the way then moves. He really jars people and knocks them off of their feet, off their balance a little bit. And that opens up the defense just a little bit more for him because it forces the guy, the big that was guarding uh, Jackson Hayes to switch onto the guard, whether it's uh, Lonzo Ball or Drew Holiday or J.J. Redick as they, as they attack. Because you've got to defend the man with the ball and can't just give up an easy layup. Pelicans take note. And so that leaves Jackson Hayes open going to the rim. And with his long arms and those receiver-like hands, he can get any sort of ball that you get to him. And he can flush it down after that. And showed off not a lot of nice touch. He was 6 of 8 from the field, but he also went to the line 7 times, making 5 of them. And that's because he was aggressive in those roles, really trying to get down low and score. He also murdered Czech Diallo in this game with just an unbelievable dunk that just made you go, wow. So he was awesome in this game. The rebounding is very needed, and he doesn't quite provide that, and that's really maybe the downside. But David Griffin, who made an appearance on the Pelicans broadcast with Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels in this one, said, again, he was supposed to be a redshirt guy, and now he's thrust into this starting role and almost being a focal point, a centerpiece of this team. And he's not necessarily ready for that yet. He had a couple of really nice box outs and good rebounds and just doesn't do it consistently enough. It's not a knock on him. He's 19 years old. He shouldn't be doing it consistently right now. But the fact that he's getting one or two, I think, is a good thing. So while the rebounding numbers are low, it shows a lot of promise for the future. And we shouldn't be expecting too much of Jackson Hayes right now. Lonzo Ball has been much maligned so far this year, even though I don't think he's playing as poorly as others on Twitter really want to kind of talk about it. But at times, he certainly left you wanting a little bit more. Well, he gave that to you in this game against the Phoenix Suns. He was 6 of 9 from the field, 4 of 5 from deep. Again, 4 of frickin' 4 from the line for him. That is unbelievable. For 6 rebounds, 11 assists, he did have 7 turnovers and 20 points, alongside 2 steals as well. He was... Good. There's no other way to put it. At times a little tentative, and at times you would have liked him to not make some kind of stupid play, and one of those turnovers wasn't really his fault. But overall, he was great. Getting to the corner on threes, having a quick trigger finger when he's getting to that corner spot, and is willing to take those shots. He was moving the ball well, and at times he was aggressive and attacking. Four free throws for him is really big, even if it isn't a high number. He just doesn't go to the line and doesn't get to the rim at all and now that he attacked a little bit and did get fouled and hit those free throws hopefully it builds a little bit more confidence for him he was pretty good defensively in this one too an area he hasn't been good really all season but his shot chart and the shot selection were significantly improved I don't mind him taking a lot of threes going into that Dallas game he's shooting 36 percent that's pretty good I don't like those step-back threes that he takes, and he made one in this game. But overall, he removed those from his game, uh, in from his shot selection in this one, and it just improved. And having a little bit more aggression, I think, helped. I'm not looking for him to drive all the time or drive 10 times. That's not who he is as a player and saying, well, we want him to drive more isn't the answer because you know what when he drives and doesn't get fouled he doesn't finish at the rim particularly well so maybe sometimes an open three-pointer for him is a better shot not always and it depends 
but he had just the right amount of aggressiveness in this one, just the right amount of shooting, and gave you a really, really good performance. He needed something like this, a game like this, and he had it where he was good in kind of all aspects. And if you can cut down one or two of the turnovers, I think he can start to be a really productive player. But it's one game. Let's see if it carries over to multiple games because we don't know if that's going to be the case. And that's going to be the real big question for him. Does this carry over? I want to go back to something about Jackson Hayes because I'm looking at some of the highlights here and forgot about this one. Um, you saw from him getting some blocks that were very, very needed. A couple from behind, uh, two from behind, especially late in the game. When the Pelicans needed some stops, he was stepping up to provide some of those stops. And that's a really big thing for his growth. He hasn't been amazing defensively. He has not been bad, and at times he's been actually good. But he did struggle at times in this one, but came through when they really needed him. He's growing as a player, and it's really nice to see. I was high on him going into this. I'm going to maintain that and continue to be as high as possible on this guy. He was just flat out awesome in this game, particularly when you put the expectation on him that he wasn't going to play this year. So he was fantastic. Lonzo Ball was fantastic. Brandon Ingram overall pretty good because he battled, which I like to see though really defensively wasn't showing up in this one. Overall, not horrible from some of the guys on the Pelicans. Others, eh, not the best, but you got to take kind of what you can get. The offense hasn't been a problem as we've seen. It's the defense. And though you got some from Jackson A's, didn't get a ton from Brandon Ingram, got a little bit from Lonzo Ball, not enough, but almost nowhere else other than one or two possessions from Drew Holiday, who did go all-team defense late in the fourth and in the beginning of overtime, but it left him just a little bit too tired to continue on. He's good in shorter spurts, shorter minutes, and when you're having to play him 41, sometimes seeing that in a, in a non-overtime game, he's not going to be effective late. And he missed two clutch free throws late in the game, late in the fourth quarter, Probably because he was too tired. Clanging front iron, that happens. Pelicans do also need to figure out the minute stuff when it comes to him. So we'll touch on the Dallas game coming up here in just a minute. But don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. Here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team. It's still fun. You're still seeing Jackson Hayes compete on a nightly basis. Brandon Ingram looks like a future star. I'm enjoying the season despite a lot of the losses, and it's been much more interesting than in years past. So wherever you get your podcast from, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. Leave a five-star rating. Put a comment in there as well. Helps more than you know, and I greatly appreciate it. So wherever you get your podcast from, hit that subscribe button to Locked on Pelicans. So the Pelicans take on the Mavericks, a rematch from the game on Tuesday, this time in Dallas. It's a 1 p.m. tip-off on Saturday. Weird time. And... You know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to preview this one, given what we've seen from this team, this Pelicans team, over the last seven games. Just don't play horrifically bad defense, communicate, have some discipline, and maybe you can stay in it. They can beat anyone if they do that. I truly believe that. I just don't know if that's what we're going to see. The defense against the Dallas Mavericks was just as bad as the defense against the Phoenix Suns that we saw, and that is a problem. They have been bad on that side. Communicate. Don't just collapse. Know whose man is the role man. Know when to switch. Know when to go above and under screens. And until they figure that out, they're not going to really win very many games. There's no real point in previewing that until we start to kind of see 
improvement because frankly, otherwise nothing's going to change with the defense being this bad. You're not going to win games. It's really as simple as that. So we don't really need to spend that much time on it. Uh, by the way, David Griffin was on the broadcast talking about Zion Williamson basically said as soon as he hits the metrics that they've set out for him, that they've set out for all of their players when they come back from injury, sounds like conditioning metrics, other things like that, then he will be allowed to play. It doesn't sound like he'll be playing back to backs. That's no big deal. They don't really have that many back to backs. So I don't think that affects much at all. Um, so he, he will be back at some point whenever he's ready to be back and whether he's when he's conditioned and good enough in that sense to be back. But did say there's been no setback. Don't think anything of that. And if you see people saying anything like that, they're either just wrong or speculating. And it's not the case whatsoever. They want him to play this year because they know he can help. And they also want him to get experience and play some more. So no real surprise, but no update. And just when he's ready, he'll be ready. And I think it's kind of as simple as that. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. That's going to do it also for the week of Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Go to twitch.com slash pelicansnba and watch on the fly hosted by myself. And I'll be back with you all next week.